Welcome to today's episode of Kicking Off with me, John Mills. Today I'm trying something a bit different. I'm going solo. Well, not exactly solo. I've drafted in my long-suffering wife, Jenny, to ask some questions. Hi. Based on discussions I've been having on Twitter recently. I hope you enjoy. So this episode was born out of discussions I've been having with researchers over the last year or so. Uh, researchers of different levels. So I'm often asked by more junior uh, researchers how I got started and what, what I've done in order to be able to recruit uh, various different postgraduate research students into the group uh, and also discussions with more senior colleagues around how to actually manage the group and, and try to learn some of the good practices that they've been doing. This episode is really going to focus on the first part, so more towards those early career researchers that are wondering how to get started. Um, I don't profess to be an expert in this in any shape or form, I'm just going to talk about my experiences and uh, if they can be useful for somebody then fantastic, but feel free to take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt. Like I say, I'm only really a year into running my uh, lab. I would say most people would probably think, certainly in sports psychology and psychology more broadly, that it's gone pretty well uh, in terms of numbers and, and things like that. But personally, I think I could have done a lot better. And uh, if I had my time over, I'd do things differently in a number of, number of different areas, which I'll kind of talk about a little bit today, but also in a follow-up episode where I talk more about these uh, issues of managing the lab with these more senior uh, researchers. Okay, let's jump into the questions. Can you tell me more about your lab? So my lab is called the Team Research Lab. Uh, I should probably say that in the UK, we don't always use the word uh, or the term lab. It's more of a North American thing. I do quite a lot of work with North American colleagues, so I kind of wanted to align myself with the language and the terminology that they use. Uh, in the UK, we call it research group more often. I think some people think it's quite pretentious to use the term lab, um, certainly in psychology. I think depending on your background, depending on your research interest, maybe if you're uh, within biology or chemistry or something like that, some of the, the harder sciences, then um, then maybe you feel that this term should be reserved for, for those that are at bench spaces, but I think it works quite well and like I say if it's uh, if it's terminology that works for my North American colleagues given the the sheer size that uh, of North American market really in uh, terms of listeners and uh, collaborators then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so I started my lab a year ago um, it kind of all kicked off really um, based on the fact that I was fortunate to get uh, various different bits of funding um, 
so I went from having a lab of zero, really just me, um, to taking on, I think I had uh, nine postgraduate research students at the start of the year. Um, that was mainly through funding, really. Uh, some of the guys are part-time, but um, I was quite lucky. It's a bit like London buses, really, that various different opportunities presented themselves in terms of research funding um, that allowed me to bring in a couple of full-time uh, PhD students and some uh, full-time master students as well. And uh, that's been complemented with other students that have seen adverts for these full-time positions and got in touch, basically, and said, look, this not quite what I can do around my work or something along those lines um, but I'm really interested in the project I'm really interested in doing a PhD which take me on part-time so so uh, I started with nine I'm at eight currently uh, one student decided that that PhD wasn't for them actually after we got going um, so that's that's fair enough that's fine um, and yeah so it's uh, it's a reasonably new thing for me we're still working out as a group how to actually work and how to be efficient and uh, support one another as effectively as we can. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a reasonably good start. Why Team Research Lab? Yeah, so I really just wanted to to find a name that captured all of the interests of the of the group. Um, like I say, it were kind of it was kind of cobbled together to a certain extent of the group to start with. Um, we've got lots of different interests. If I'd, uh, this is one of the things I would have done differently if I had my time again. I would have tried to focus around uh, one or two big projects and uh, try to align the students to that, whereas at the moment we're kind of sporadic in, in our interests. So I was just really trying to find a name that, 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 that some kind of thread that ran through the whole group and team research was that, that thread effectively. So I've got guys interested in looking at things like talent identification and scouting through to looking at how we can develop character through uh, team sports and team activities more broadly. So teams was that one that one theme, that one thread that bound us all together. Uh, again, I think like I'm somebody that likes to think about how the group is seen by the outside world. I think if I, again, if I had my time over and I might change it in the future, I would have probably picked a name that was more outcome focused. So, so it presented more of the outcome, more of the solution we're trying to study as part of the group rather than necessarily something that's relevant to lots of people, but not necessarily conveying any specific information, if that makes sense. So nobody's going out like no one's going out looking for research um, from the team research lab I see other labs like the character lab for example and if you're interested in character development then it kind of makes sense whereas the teams in themselves it's such a broad topic that it's kind of it doesn't really tell you very much other than that we're focused on team-based research but that is it's a huge area in itself so I, I think I would have probably been a little bit more specific what was your motivation for launching the lab? So my motivation for starting the group was really from my own experiences as being a postgraduate research student. Um, I didn't have a particularly positive experience the first time around. I, I like working with the students. Um, I wanted to, I enjoy supervising students. I enjoy helping young people to uh, 
achieved the best they can achieve really uh, even from when I was a football coach I really liked working with the younger players more than more senior players uh, helping young people realize their potential is just something I really enjoy um, what I would say to anybody that's interested in starting a group is that unless your motivation really is to help young people and not just young people but inexperienced researchers more broadly to develop their skills um, say you've got other aspirations around the sheer volume of research you might be able to produce by having more people involved. My experience suggests that the amount of time that it takes to support these young people and inexperienced researchers, like you could probably produce more papers on your own, really, if that was the if that was the goal. You could probably produce a, like higher quality papers as well, um, just because it takes postgraduate research students a while normally to get up to speed it seems um, so yeah so if you're thinking it's going to be a way to churn out lots of uh, like high volume high quality papers it's probably not the way to go uh, but if your ambition is to support young people in their development then yeah absolutely um, like if you if you do want the volume approach then working as part of a uh, a group part of a syndicate that the people are doing now um, whereby one person leads on a paper in a, in a larger group and everybody puts their names on like if, if that's what your ambition is as a researcher just to produce lots and lots of research then there are other ways of doing it that are far more efficient than um, I'm not suggesting you do this by the way it's not it's not um, it's not within my uh, focus as a researcher I, c I couldn't really care less about quantity I do care about quality but not really quantity um, I'm just trying to get across this point that actually supervising uh, early career researchers is just not a particularly efficient way to produce lots of research certainly not lots of high quality research anyway tuning into this episode of kicking off with me john mills uh, i hope you're enjoying this format um i'm this is my fifth episode now so kind of uh, be, it'd be really really good to get some feedback from people that have listened um to at least a couple of episodes maybe uh, if you'd like more episodes like this then i'm quite happy to do them uh, i probably will end up trying to do a bit of a mixture between this and the more interview based format uh, unless you guys absolutely tell me that this is awful and don't do another one or, or whatever um, but yeah so give me some feedback basically please uh, you can contact me at jpmillsphd on twitter uh, you can drop me a dm as well i'll turn my direct messaging open so if you don't want to share publicly i understand uh, not going to want to put all your criticisms necessarily of the work uh, out there but i'm i'm a big boy and i can take it if you want to stick it out there I, I don't mind um likewise you can email me you can send an email to john.mills at essex.ac.uk um and yeah like i say five episodes in i can see the uh, audience numbers through different software platforms it seems that episodes are being downloaded reasonably well uh, in terms of numbers 
that's uh, the goal is always to improve the goal is always to get better so yeah do leave me feedback the other place you can leave feedback is on itunes as a review some of you might have seen that at present i'm the only person that's actually reviewed this podcast i did it by mistake people are like yeah yeah, yeah of course you did but genuinely i did i clicked on the stars so i thought it's never going to let me click the stars surely um but it did and then it basically makes you write a review so i was honest in there and explained but um it would be good if some other people wrote some reviews it helps other people find us and you can help bury my mistake uh if you do uh yeah so yeah please do please do get in contact right back to the show You've recruited a lot of students this year. How did you do it? Honestly, I think it was luck. Um, having a website and uh, a presence on social media certainly didn't do any harm. At least one of my students found me through social media and the papers I'd written previously. Um, so, yeah, so apply for grants is the number one thing because if you get grants, you get money, you can advertise the, the positions and pay people a fair wage to come and do the work or at least a wage I wouldn't necessarily say it was a fantastic wage doing a PhD studentship in the UK but there are other benefits around it that, that can make it work out um, get the grants make friends with uh, industry partners as well people that have uh, staff that want to upskill effectively uh, doesn't do any harm certainly working with charities like I've done helps give a focus to the work uh, in the sense of when we when we work on projects we, we get calls every now and again from our charitable partners saying look we've got this problem can you help um, and that does tend to focus the group somewhat around actually producing high quality work quickly um, so that that certainly helps um, yeah obviously the website Twitter, social media more generally, things like doing this podcast, it all takes a lot of time. Uh, so you kind of have to put the legwork in if you want the benefits. Uh, and the benefits in this case are the opportunity to be able to work with some amazing young people and help them to achieve their potential. Um, but it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to recruit when you have to be lucky with grants. No grants, really. Uh, I wouldn't probably be having this discussion, creating this episode because honestly I'd have one or two students and it would be pretty normal. Uh, it's only because of the grant successes all coming at the same time that's really allowed me to, to grow a, a large group, or medium-sized large group, whatever, um, so quickly. So I don't expect my group to be as big as this forever. In fact, I'm actively not going to take so many people on in the future just because it's so much work and it pulls me in so many different directions that actually I don't think I've been able to do the best version of the job that I can um, just because I've been stretched so so thinly in places across the course of the year um, so my advice would be if you're thinking and you're listening to this episode thinking yeah it'd be great to have a, a big lab to lead and I think very carefully about what that actually means because having come through this process now 
Um, it's, it's really hard work. It's really, really hard work. Um, make sure you're in a place that, that supports the development and values the development of young people in this way. Um, and not necessarily thinking about bottom line of, well, we get X amount of money for bringing in undergraduate students. How much money are we bringing in for uh, self-funded students or something something like that? For me, the monetary impact of this, I obviously don't get any of it anyway. So it's just the time that's allocated. Uh, so you'd want to be at a place that does value and does want to support young people um, in their development in this way, really, if to, to be able to do the best job that you can in this. Um, now, the University of Essex is pretty good, generally, I would say. Um, we're a dual-intensive university, so we've certainly got the infrastructure in place to be able to support students, which is brilliant. Uh, I, that's another thing to consider, in, is the sense of I've worked at teaching-focused universities. They just don't have the infrastructure infrastructure in place. And by that, I mean the funding available to send students to conferences, the training that postgraduate researchers often need, uh, the staff training as well around supervising postgraduate researchers. Like if you're working at a teaching focused, teaching uh, intensive university, then think really carefully about, will I be given the time? Will I have the support? Will I be able to give the support and the, the resources to the students to be able to make it a worthwhile experience for them? Uh, I think that for lots of people, the answer to that would probably be no. Um, so you have to weigh up the costs versus the benefits in that scenario. Maybe it's worth trying to work with somebody else uh, at a university with more resources. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the answer, but just be careful, basically, that you don't overstretch yourself a place where you won't get the rewards, you won't get the, the support, um, and you won't be able to provide the experience that, that you want to for your students. Is there anything else researchers should consider when starting their own lab? I'd say you need to think about uh, the projects that you're proposing in quite a lot of depth before you get started. Students often think that they understand the research process uh, from their undergraduate degrees and whatnot. Um, but they really, really do. Um, so students often think of research as being this kind of solo activity. Uh, whereas we know that once you get going, actually, it's a much more collaborative enterprise. Um, so that's that's one thing, trying to get them to understand that they are working as part of a team uh, and to develop those kind of teamworking skills is, is really important. Um, in terms of the way they work, it's probably good to get used to the idea of remote working pretty quickly. Obviously, everybody's got a lot more used to remote working in the last few weeks anyway, so it's uh, it's good. Your students might be dotted around the country, uh, working in different time frames, depending on whether they're full-time, part-time, if they've got caring commitments and things like that. Um, so trying to find a way that everybody can work in an asynchronous manner is really useful. Um, we use various different software packages to help with that, um, mainly Slack for communication. I try to move all email around um, research onto Slack just because it prioritizes the research um, outside of some of the other emails I receive. Um, I also like to keep my inbox pretty uh, empty as well, so this, this helps with that. Um, the other tools we use are the Open Science Framework for storing and um, 
curating data and um, materials, things like questionnaires, whatnot, um, within projects. Do that for a number of reasons. So if a student leaves or is unwell or anything like that, uh, there's a, a project outline there with all of the materials, all of the data ready to be picked up by somebody else uh, if there's an issue. Uh, also, likewise, when a student finishes their um, their degree with us, uh, most often than not, the project, they've just done a piece of a broader puzzle, so somebody else can pick that up and keep, keep running with it without having to start from scratch trying to find the materials and whatnot. There's also the backup element with it being in the cloud, it's GDPR compliant, so it's it's good uh, from that perspective. You can base your base your data and whatnot in the European Union if you're an EU resident, which helps. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just generally quite useful. Uh, things like pre, I don't know, most of you will know this already, but there's preprint servers that you can directly link to now. Things like PsychArchive from your Open Science Framework repositories. So it kind of saves some clicking. Metadata is already completed. It's useful. Sport Archive is hopefully going to be doing that soon. So researchers working in sport be able to make the most of that function as well, which is good. Um, I think that's it really. Just trying to just trying to get them to to work together to understand the processes of of research. Uh, like certainly re researching bigger projects. When students come in, they often I've often found that they have. Uh, a warped perspective of what research looks like. M more often than not, they've never conducted sample size estimation, for example. Um, they often think that what was acceptable in an undergraduate dissertation is acceptable research more broadly. So tiny um, sample sizes, things like that, uh, using sports, like a single sports team um, for a cross-sectional design. Things like that. You see it all the time. It's, it's mainly because researchers at undergraduate level perhaps don't provide the appropriate training that students need for a research degree. Um, I think that's a bigger question, another topic perhaps, but um, I, for me I think it's really important to at least outline with the students that yes, this is about learning the skills and perhaps you're not going to do everything exactly how it absolutely should be because of time constraints but at least knowing the process you should be following would be a useful first step but I don't see too much of that. The only thing, other thing I'd say is that, that I found is, uh, so I went on some supervisory training with the BPS, the British Psychological Society, um, within my university as well there's a couple of different training programs that you can take um, it's, a, it's a requirement uh, here to, to be able to supervise students um, I also was a second supervisor to uh, other projects beforehand to other projects. So I kind of learned from my mentor uh, from that perspective. So, so yeah, going on training courses, getting some experience, like they, they're a bit hit and miss in terms of the quality sometimes. Sometimes it feels a bit like a, a waste of time telling you to, teaching you to suck eggs. Um, there's often a, a really like, good tidbit that you can take from the process though um, and the other thing as well is that if you do have any problems you can always kind of point to the fact that you have done the training you've, you've followed the, the correct protocol well that's it for today's episode I hope you enjoyed and like I said give me some feedback if you can on whether you enjoyed this episode whether you'd like more like this um, 
I have kind of alluded to the fact that I think there's a follow-up episode needed around managing the lab, which I've touched upon in places here, but not really got into any kind of detail. Um, if you tell me that you're that you're enjoying, you enjoyed this episode and you like it, uh, this kind of more conversational aspect to it, then I'm happy to do that on my own. If you turn around and tell me that actually having guests on really improves things, then I've got a couple of people in mind that I can contact who could really be useful to talk to around this area. Uh, people that, that lead bigger labs than I do and have been doing it for longer. So it'd be really good to get their take and their input. All right. Thanks again. And I will speak to you soon.